Welcome to the Kentucky Sports Production Podcast. Make sure you go follow the Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube at Kentucky Sports Productions. I'm Wyatt alongside Bryson and Corbin today. We talk about the games this week, the win at Tennessee, then home against Georgia. We take your calls and we finish with our interview of former Kentucky basketball player EJ Florial. And with that, guys, we'll start with the Tennessee game. We got off to a slow start and we were down 8-0. I was sitting there watching the game and I was thinking to myself, I kind of hope Tennessee just runs us out of the gym so that all this, this it seemed like our last chance to get that big time win in, ter- in terms of, you know, looking towards the tournament. So I was hoping, you know, if they just blow us out, I won't have to worry about, will we make the tournament? Because we won't, right? If they just blow us out and destroy us. Instead, CJ, you know, scores the next 10 points, gets us the lead. Um, we go into halftime with the lead. And, you know, I think we were all kind of shocked. I don't really think that, you know, we expected that, obviously, with the start or even going into the game. I think we were a 13.5-point underdog. I don't know the last time Kentucky was that much of an underdog at any point, maybe even the great, biggest spread in the Kentucky, you know, Cal era. Um, we come out in the second half. We continue to fight. We'll talk about that fight. We'll talk about the lineups. But, Corbin, what did you think about the game? My biggest takeaway from the game is it – I mean, this win turns the season around. Now we have a chance to still make the tournament. This pretty much cancels out that terrible South Carolina loss. And the best thing about it for me was it didn't feel like a fluke. Like, we went out there and we fought Tennessee. We gave them everything we had for 40 minutes. And we came out on top in Knoxville. So I just really like to see that from our team. That fight just really made me happy. Uh, Yeah, I think that win was great for the team's confidence. You know, before when we lost to South Carolina, I think all the team was starting to kind of give up on the season. But um, Cal, you know, took their phones and everything the night before. And we the whole team really showed some fight. And we'll admit we were very wrong coming (laughs) off that South Carolina loss. Now, I think if you had any other opinion than the ones we expressed coming off that South Carolina loss, you're delusional, right? (laughs) But we were clearly wrong. And we'll talk about some of the things that kind of switched that, made that change, right? But you mentioned that it's not a fluke. And one thing that, you know, we had 19 turnovers. Wallace didn't score in that Tennessee game. It felt like, yes, we won the game. I would even say, with that, with the exception of those first three minutes, we were in control of the game, mm-hmm. Other, you know, mm-hmm. for the next 37 minutes. And, it, and you can take a step back and say, I don't think we played our best basketball. Yeah, I think what really won the game for us was that lineup. I mean, how could you not admit that that lineup is, if not the best, one of the best in college basketball? That lineup, because it when Oscar's down low, if they want to double-team Oscar, then you give it out to Reeves or Frederick, and they'll shoot it right in your face. But if you don't double-team Oscar, he's going to go for 37-24. and 24. So that lineup is really dangerous. And if we play like that, bring on anybody in the country. I'm ready to go. And, again, we'll admit – we were wrong about a lot of things. The one thing we were not wrong about in that coming out of that South Carolina game was we called for the Wallace at point, Frederick and Reeves to his side, topping in the, topping at the free throw line, and Oscar down low. That lineup, so that won the game. I think that um, you've got the stat, Bryson, of what that Wallace lineup plus minus was. Yeah, the lineup is plus twenty, around plus twenty, and every other one is. Like minus 10 or something? Yeah, and, and, you know, so we ended up winning the game by, you know, that margin solely because of that lineup. And I think Cal going forward, and we'll talk about the Georgia game, but at that moment I think that was what needed to happen for this team. 
we needed to have a lineup that we talked about last week if we didn't have that lineup of basket getters. Now maybe we do. I think Cal, with the exception of 2015, he always finds his seven or eight best players to go out there and beat you. And we've got our five, and you add Livingston or maybe Severe because Wallace gets in a lot of foul trouble. And then everyone else is kind of, I mean, you can plug Fierro in there a little bit because he does go out there and fight. Lance Ware the same. But with this five plus Livingston, I'm I'm really ready to play anyone. When Kansas comes to town, it's going to be a great dogfight. I'm so excited for it. The only moment other than those first three minutes where I thought we were maybe not going to hold on was Tennessee took a one-point lead, 54-53, with about, I think, five minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. I think it was Vescovy or Ziegler came into the paint and, and made a pull-up jumper. I'm surprised Ziegler actually made a shot. He missed right, he made the <laughs> Give us the game. <laughs> well, and, and so they have that one-point lead, and we talked about, you know, again, this goes back to the basket-getter point. Reeves comes down, step back three. Yeah, right? that yeah. minus two to up one, that is such a big yeah. swing. And he comes right back down, they swing it to him, beats his man off the dribble, pulls up, 15-footer, good. And at that point, you have control of the game mm-hmm. and didn't really give it up. And with, like, everything they've been dealing with that whole game, Vescovy crying about every foul call, Plajevich or whatever his name is, pulling Kaysen Wallace down by his jersey, and then to be able to go out there in Knoxville and win the game, it's just very impressive. And if you watched that game and thought it was a fluke or maybe we won by accident, this is the type of win that can turn a season around. Uh, I also want to add that we shot very well from the free throw line in that game, which is, uh, which was a lot. We've been missing a ton of free throws the whole year. And to that point, you can make a case that we have three less losses if we shoot free throws the way yeah, we, yeah, I think we we've shot against Tennessee. 25 of 23 against Tennessee is yeah. like 90 some percent. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you it's the little things I felt like. It was the one switch of putting Wallace at the point. It's the free throws. It's, you know, scoring at what, 63 points against Tennessee. That's equivalent to scoring, you know, 80, 90 they against most Carolina teams. They what, 43? Right, right. <laughs> So, you know, I think, you know, you saw the celebration after the game. Chin Coleman crying. Chin Coleman crying on the bench. And, and you know, Lance Ware, you know, he showed the fight that you wanted to have. Went a lot of guys showed the fight. I'd also like to give a huge shout-out to Lance Ware for uh, showing a lot of fight in that game and getting in Plavsevich's. Plavsevich, whatever you yeah. say. He was dominating Oscar. He was and, so dirty. And he was. He's the new. He's the next dirty Tennessee villain, John Fulkerson. Fulky. Lance Ware doesn't add much off offensively for us, but having a guy like that that you can just throw out there when Oscar's getting bullied. Yeah. Oscar's he's, struggled, always, he's always ready to fight. Yeah, Oscar struggled against size, and so when you're able to put a guy out there who handles that a little better than Oscar, you're able to stop that momentum. I think there was five or six straight times that Tennessee brought the ball down the court, and it was just give it to him and take it at Oscar. They put Lance mm-hmm. Ware in, yeah, and, and that's to your point. Back to Lance. Even if it's only two or three minutes that he's out there, that's enough to really wear down your opponent. Because if somebody goes out there and gets in your face and shoves you around and tells you not to give Kaysen Wallace a bloody lip, I mean, that has a big effect on Tennessee's mentality. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give a shout-out to Aduthiero as well. I mean, mm-hmm. he comes in. Brought a severe, lot of energy. We didn't know. Severe was a game-time decision. He ended up not being able to warm up. Adu is thrown in a game against the be- you Historically, statistically, Tennessee is the best defensive team we've seen in college basketball, maybe ever, coming into this game. And he was able to go in to, 
to fill a role of Severe Wheeler, who up until this game had been playing 30-something minutes a game, mm -hmm. our true point mm -hmm. guard, and he led the team just fine. Yeah, Adu Thiero, he was able to lead the game just fine, and not only on the court, but also on the bench. The players finally looked like they were excited to play for Kentucky. Standing up and clapping when everyone would score, it, would, it was just great to see. Yeah, especially after the loss to South Carolina, the bench really looked like they just didn't even want to be there. Kaysen, uh, you know, left the game, didn't even come back out. So that was good to see. And that was one of our biggest criticisms, I think, of you know, is this team for each other? And it looked like at that Tennessee game they were. And you have to give Cal all the credit. We've, we, you know, we've been hard on him. I think a lot of Kentucky fans have been hard on him. You have the go to Texas Cal sign in Rupp Arena. Mm -hmm. But to get this team from losing, and South Carolina is still, even though they beat us, we might be their only SEC win all year, mm -hmm. they are still the worst team in the SEC. To come off that loss at home with the feelings that were in that arena, with the pressure that was on Cal, for Cal to get those guys ready to play Saturday you know, afternoon at Tennessee, Chris Lofton Day, that's that's really remarkable. I think another remarkable thing is how Cal was able to take that momentum from the Tennessee game and all that greatness and people think it's a fluke and have it carry over to the Georgia game and go out there and be down at halftime and come out and still win. He is He's doing a great job with this group. That's a great transition because, you know, we were at the game Tuesday night against Georgia, a late one, 9 o'clock. Those games typically don't generate the crowds that you're used to seeing at Rupp Arena, but... But it was a fantastic crowd. It looks to me like maybe this fan base is buying back into this team and maybe buying into that lineup more importantly. But we'll, we'll, we'll transition to that Georgia game that we're talking about. Again, something that I think maybe is our kryptonite and maybe you know what ends the season for us. Hopefully it won't, but it's, it's looking like this team struggles starting games. And we'll talk about mm -hmm. maybe what the things are that contribute to that. But, you know... We can't continue to start down 8-0 at Tennessee. We can't continue to be down 8 at halftime against Georgia. So let me ask you, do you think that has to do with the game planning by Riley Welch, or do you think after the report came out that they changed it? Well, I don't know if they've changed it or not. I haven't heard anything if they have changed it. I, it it's interesting because I don't know why we struggle starting off because in these last two games we've come back and, and, and won. So I don't know if it's – I don't want to blame it on the game plan because the game plan has clearly worked enough to come well, back from not these necessarily deficits. all on the game plan, but sometimes it looks like we come out of the gate and we're not ready to play. Now, obviously, we fix it, and we've won these two games in a row, and they've both been great games, great played games. But we – that's going to be a big problem to come out flat because you're not always going to be able to beat a top-five team if you start 0-8. And we've talked about the efficiencies of some of these lineups – Maybe one of the reasons that we've struggled starting the games is having Livingston at the three. Yeah. Our least mm -hmm. efficient lineups are Livingston at the three. And so if you start the game with your least efficient lineup, maybe that's the reason you're starting. Maybe it's not a game plan. Maybe it's a lineup decision. But, you know, we, we get through that first half. We uh, The defense struggles. The defense struggling in the first half has also kind of been a common theme that we've seen throughout the year. Well, Severe Wheeler, he couldn't really guard that number zero on he Georgia. He was, that was the best guard yeah. on the floor until the second half, and Kaysen Wallace went out there and locked him yeah. up. I don't think he scored once Kaysen Wallace switched over to him. So we go into that second half, down eight. Yeah, and I think a big reason for that is because um, Cal wasn't playing his best lineup with uh, Kaysen at the point. And I think once he did switch that, um, and we only saw Severe play one minute in the second half, um, it changed a lot. Well, 
Let's all be fair to Severe Wheeler at point guard. I don't want to come on here and trash the kid. He might have still been hurt against Georgia. We don't know that. And he has led this, he's led two teams to, he's been through everything with Kentucky. So I don't think it's, and we're going to need him one game because Kaysen Wallace, he had like two fouls in three seconds against Georgia. He's prone to foul trouble. So I don't think it would be good for anyone to just say set Severe Wheeler on the bench because we're going to need him. I still think Severe is a better option at backup point guard than Thierro. As well as Thierro played against Tennessee, I still think Severe is a better option. And you're right, there's going to be a game. I don't know which game. We, you know, it, we always have one of those games where you have a guy that goes out there and we're like, wow, look what he did. So it's no doubt that's going to happen. And so we can't just you know toss him to the curb like you said, but I think it's fair to be critical to a, to the guy, the, the point guard, that the two games that he has not been a, a big part of, we've won and probably our two best wins of the year. I agree with you. I think his minutes should drop from 38 to more like 15 or 20. But I don't think it's it's very good to just like not play him at all and replace him with the arrow. No, and I'm, I don't think anybody's wanting you to do that. I just think, and this is, you know, you, you hinted at the point that Maybe he's still hurt. Do you think Cal will – do you think – maybe say he is hurt. Do you think Cal on Saturday against Texas A&M will, can, will put Severe right back in there to play 30 minutes again? Or do you think Cal has come to the realization that we all have come to of this Wallace at point guard lineup is what's going to give us the best shot to win No, games? I mean, I think it's naive to say that this Wallace, Reeves, Frederick Top, and Oscar lineup is not the best – we've had in a very long time but I also think it's naive to just try to get rid of severe and I know I know you guys aren't saying that but there's a lot of talk around the program that severe shouldn't play at all which well, I just think I don't is agree bad. with that yeah that's wrong I mean but you look you know there's a stat that came out that this severe not playing in the Wallace lineup with you know his shooters to his side Topping in the middle, Oscar down low, like we, like we, you know, harped on, is the most efficient lineup in the last three years ever. No other lineup comes close in entire entirety of college basketball. Let me let me raise a point. I don't think Wallace obviously plays a big role in that lineup, but I think the main reason that lineup works is how well Oscar has been playing these last two games. Oscar has been magnificent, and. We didn't, Corbin and I did not say this, but one member of this podcast needs to make an apology, and I'm going to let him do it because we, Corbin and I are still Team Oscar. There was one person on here that made a huge, out of all the things we said wrong, this might have been the most wrong. Uh, yeah, last week I said that Oscar has empty stats, and I think at the beginning of the year he did have some games where his stats were empty, but I can't deny that he really... Uh, has put the team on his back recently, and um, he's been playing a lot better, and his stats, are, our wins are showing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, 37-24, and 24, that's kind of good. <laughs> but I think, I, think Oscar, I think Oscar heard what you said, and he might have taken it personally. Uh, I'd also like to add, though, when Oscar uh, has five people on him, which we did see at the Georgia game, 
I think he needs to pass it out to some of his shooters. I'll yeah, say that. That I do. I do agree with you there. Because sometimes Oscar will catch the rebound above his head, and he's taller, and everyone's stronger than everyone. Then he'll bring it down to his chest, and like that's what they tell you not to do in youth league basketball. Because why would you even give those little guards a chance to steal the ball from you? And so Georgia in that first half decided to try to go one on one with Oscar, and it didn't work. Now it also now they also failed to guard him in the second half, but they at least attempted to double team him in the second half. And having Reeves and having Frederick and having Wallace out there that can all shoot, I think are all, all are above 40% three-point shooters, it's easy for him to pass it out. And you can find a shooter where if you get the ball in Severe's hands when you're double-teaming Oscar, you can leave Severe out wide open. Yeah, I think yeah. Reeves and Frederick went like 2 of 15. But it's Not the threat. Good. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's the threat. Because you have to respect Casey Wallace at the three. You have to respect Antonio Reeves. You have to respect C.J. Frederick. So, imagine what we're going to be like when those guys hit shots. Now, we talked about, you know, I don't feel like the Tennessee game this week was a must-win. It's great that we did win, and I think it rewrote the season. I think it's a must-win if you want to make the tournament. That's, that might be true. But I, I felt like the Georgia game was a must-win. Yep. And yeah. we've got two games coming up that I also feel similar about. Mm-hmm. We've got Texas A&M at 2 o'clock on Saturday in Rupp Arena. Tennis, or te- excuse me, Texas A&M is undefeated in the SEC. We're going to have to win that game. It's going to be tough. It's going to be another one like Georgia yeah. where it's going to be a lot harder than everyone thought. But you've got to take care of business at home if you want to make the tournament. So we have to win this Texas A&M game. And Texas A&M, to me, they feel like the exact same team every year. They're athletic. They're scrappy. They've got Buzz Williams. Scrappy. who that yeah. his Defense is his thing. And, and he's got this team rolling like they were going into last last season's SEC tournament, right? They were the last team out, I think, of the of the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Because of, I think they made it to the championship game, actually, of the SEC tournament last year. So he's got that team back, and they're starting to roll undefeated in conference. You're right that Texas A&M is rolling, but if we want to – I think we're going to take care of business on Saturday, and we should really be looking forward to Vandy because except for that Knoxville win – this team has not played very well on the road, so hopefully Cal will take their phones again or something, and they'll be ready to go kick some butt. And this isn't the same Vandy team that we're used to just walking. This Vandy team is good. They're, you know, their record isn't great. They struggled at the beginning of the year. But you look at who they've beaten in the SEC, and it's been pretty pretty successful you know, season for them. Barely beat them last game. Yeah, and so you know, it's going to be a tough game. You're not going to just walk in and win that game like we're used to doing. I think something that's gonna help us is in Nashville that stadium does not always fill up now maybe it will for Kentucky Kentucky because we're everyone's Super Bowl but I don't think it'll be as intense as it was at Gonzaga or against UCLA or anyone like that before we wrap everything up and get to our score predictions for A&M I'd like to just take a second to express how great it feels to beat those dirty balls nothing is better to prove to them that we're their big brother we are not good We are unranked, they're a top five team fighting for a one seed, and we go down to their home stadium and beat them. Tennessee is so dirty, Rick Barnes plays such a dirty style of basketball, Tennessee fans, now I know probably not all Tennessee fans are like this, but when we were in Knoxville for Tennessee versus Kentucky football, I had one Tennessee fan trying to fight me, and he was over 35 years old, so hope he feels big, and then his friend threw a beer on me. And then when we got to the state, when we left the stadium, started walking back to where we were staying, someone told me to go back to the coal mines. So it just feels so great to beat this trashy team. And I just, I really don't like Tennessee. And 
it just feels so good to beat them. I'd also like to add my hate in for Tennessee. Uh, I was there in Knoxville with Corbin right next to him. And um, me and my friends were just at the game uh, watching Kentucky get destroyed. And a 35-year-old Tennessee fan just starts screaming at my friend in a Hawkless Jones jersey. I had a Jockless Jones jersey on, and on the back it just says Jones. So they're like, Jay Jones. He'd scream, he'd say, Jones, look at me. They are they are just so so deplorable. They're the worst. And I think it, it's telling that like this might going into this game, this was probably one of the worst teams we've had in a while. This is probably the best team they've ever had. Still zero final fours for Tennessee. Still one elite eight, and they hang a banner for it. They do right, <laughs> but you know, and so for us to go down there and win, I think the feelings that you all had, everyone else kind of reciprocates as well. We'll look forward once again. We'll look forward to the the Texas A&M game. Corbin, what's your score prediction? What's going to happen? I think it's going to be another low-scoring game for Kentucky, not the 80 like Cal said he won at the beginning of the year, just because of how good Texas A&M defense is going to be. So I've got Kentucky winning 71-64. to Bryson, what do you think happens? I agree with Corbin. I think it's going to be even a lower score than that. I predict 68-59 Kentucky. I think, I think Kentucky figures something out against Texas A&M. Their record's really good. This is a win that I think we all agree Kentucky has to have. I think Kentucky, I actually disagree. I think Kentucky's going to be able to score. I hope, and we'll see if Cal does this or not, he rolls with that lineup that we've talked about. I think he does. 78-65 Kentucky. We're going to end this segment right now. We're going to take your calls. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Productions Podcast. We're now going to take your calls. On line one, we've got Andrew. Andrew, where are you from? I'm from Georgetown. All right, Andrew from uh, Georgetown. What do you got? Day one supporter here. I love what y'all are doing up there. Uh, I just want to say, what was Mike White thinking when he didn't double off the whole game and just let him go off? I think Mike White was trying to force Reeves and Frederick to shoot and win the game because they haven't been very good at it all season. Because uh, when if you double Oscar, you know Reeves and Frederick are going to shoot the ball and hopefully it goes in. And if you don't double Oscar, then he's going to score 37 and 24 on you. So that lineup is really dangerous because you just you're basically picking the way to die. I also think Mike White is one of these new, you know, new revolutionary offense type coaches of we're going to shoot a bunch of threes. We're going to keep you inside the paint. Let you shoot the twos. We're going to beat you with threes. And so I think that was his game plan. Obviously, Oscar outmatched everything they threw at him, along with those threats of Reeves and Frederick outside, I think, played perfectly into what Cal did all night. Anything else for us, Andrew? Nope. Love y'all. All right. Thank you. On line two, it looks like we have Landon. Landon, where are you from? I'm from Georgetown, and right now I'm at Herbert North. Had to call in the KSP, baby. Well, I'm glad you called in. What do you have today? Um, I think Severe is still a good player, and I don't think anybody should be dissing on him. I just think that he needs to be put in the lineup uh, that we played a bunch against Georgia, and I think he'll get back like in the groove of everything, and I think he'll play good in that lineup. Well, there are obviously still Severe people out there, but it's proven that when he's out there, we are not as effective offensively. We're even less effectively defensively. And I feel like he's had the opportunities. He's played 38, yeah. 40 minutes all, all year. I, think, I disagree with you, Landon. I think he's had plenty of opportunities. I think he's still good, but I think he should be playing a little bit less. Landon, 
I'm going to have to agree with you because I think Severe Wheeler is still hurt. And Cal, he didn't know the lineups in the beginning of the year. Now that he's got his five, six, seven players, and who's to say Severe Wheeler can't replace Cason Wallace? Because Severe Wheeler has been shooting very well from three this year. I'm to say Severe can't replace Wallace yep, because, because, look, he has. they have played lineups where Severe has taken the place of Wallace. But... And they've not been effective. Wallace is a threat from from deep, and I know Severe's numbers from three are good, but it, it's because people don't respect yeah. him. Is the problem? If you watch the game, you can really tell that he's not as good of a shooter as the percentage says. But would you grant me for the first I don't know fourteen games, Cal didn't know any lineup, and we just threw out whoever was ready to go on the bench. But we've we played had the- Lance Ware playing significant minutes at the beginning of the year. La- Severe Wheeler has never really had a. Fair chance at a good lineup with these seven players that we've been talking about. Severe has played in every single game with a million different lineups, and none has still yet to be as effective as the one we've seen with Wallace. I agree with you. I don't think Severe should be the starting point guard, but I also don't think that Severe is just terrible and should never touch the floor. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. No, and I think we all agree on that. But but the idea that Landon calls in and says. Severe needs to be back to his 35 minutes a game whenever he's healthy, if he's not healthy well, right now. Well, I don't think he was saying back to his 35 minutes. I think he said Severe's going to figure it out and be a good backup point guard. And we can agree yeah, on I that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Thank you, Landon. Line three, we have Jake. Jake, where are you from? Overport, Kentucky. All right, Jake, go ahead. All right, my question is referring to the last podcast. It's more towards Corbett and Bryson's opinion. I'm here. They said... Yeah, they said that uh, Cal owes us something, owes the fans of Kentucky something, and I just wanted to ask what exactly Coach Cal needs to do this season or in the next couple of seasons uh, to to get you guys back on board. Is it winning games, winning a championship? So let me what tell exactly you, Jay. Is it? So we go COVID season, and we did it. Obviously, the tournament was canceled, so that sucked for everyone, not just Kentucky. And then we go nine and sixteen. And we are absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. But I'm, sure. And you could say COVID, whatever. A dude oh, didn't goodness. make tournament. Okay. Then we go. We have a great regular season. We have the National Player of the Year. And we lose to St. Peter's in Indianapolis with a ton of Kentucky fans. Mm-hmm. And then we start this year. And we get beat by the worst team in the SEC. We can't win a role game. So what Cal owes to us is... Maybe a win or two. Maybe an Elite Eight, a Sweet 16. Mm, something you, to put some energy back in Cal the family. at least owes us a tournament win. That's, yeah. I mean, that's we what we've gotten to. four years. One tournament win would make me happy for the year. And with the talent this team has, we should not even be saying that. All right, so Bryson's given, I think, you know, Jake's question was more to the point of, like, is there anything he can do this year? Bryson says, a tournament win. Corbin, what's it going to be for this for? Kentucky fans to be happy and back on board all in for next year as well. What's Kentucky and Cal have to do with this the re- year? With the returning national player of the year, a top 10 draft pick, the guy that led the, the whole nation in three-point percentage last year, a guy who averaged 20 points at Illinois State, a fifth-year senior, and a head coach, I mean a Hall of Fame head coach, Cal needs to at least make a sweet 16 for me to even be partly satisfied and elite eight to really get me back on board. But I mean you look around college basketball and again you know we talked we hinted at it last podcast and talked about it like no one's great this year. Yeah. Kansas lost you this week. You see a top 10 team get beat every week every day. I think three or day. four teams last night in the top, you know, Xavier 25 lost, lost. Uh, 
what was it? Kansas uh, lost to Kansas and, State. But 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 here's the thing I'm saying is and like with this lineup that we figured out is successful. Uh-huh. I don't see how we can't compete against the rest of the teams in the country. No, we can compete. So I'm just saying for me to be satisfied with this team and this lineup that's obviously really really good. We need to go out there and show them that we're Kentucky and we still run college basketball. But I guess what I was saying is, like, you say Sweet 16, Bryson just says a win. I think you look at this team, the way we've played these last two games, why can't we make an Elite Eight run with a shot to go to the final I think four? if we're hot, we can win the tournament. And I think that's I, so I think how beating this Tennessee is. And that would, that would get everyone back on board. Beating too. Tennessee shows that you can beat anyone in the country. Losing to South Carolina at Holmes also shows that we could go out there round one against Davidson and throw a goose egg and lose. But do you think that South Carolina game, and I know we reacted to it, but could that be a one-off type deal? Could this Tennessee game be the I turning think, point to where we don't have any more South Carolina I think we're really games? inconsistent at times, so I think that it's still possible for another one of those to happen. Tennessee is the only good team we've beaten. Georgia's Georgia's all right, and then like Yale's our second best win. So <laughs> af, after we win these next two games, I'll be convinced that we're back yeah, and we can beat anybody. I agree with that. Jake, you have anything else? No, I think I agree with Corbin. I, I think if Coach Cal can bring uh, the respect of Kentucky basketball as a whole back, then that 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 would be good enough for him to stay. Thank you, Jake. Yep. Okay. On line four, it looks like Noah. I assume this is Noah from Litchfield. He must be yes, back. It is. Big Poppy is back, and you know yep. I'm I'm a bit fired up over this one because I tell you what, I mean the zebras these past two games have been all but the worst thing in the world. I, I swear to God, through the last thing I see before I go to sleep, it's 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 firing me up. I mean I don't know if you all notice it, and it's hard to miss, but these refs are making the game about them. I mean from uh-huh. the bad technical on Johnny C to all the ticky tack bounce, let these kids play, my. God. It's a problem yeah, when we know the officials' names. I mean, I know it. You got to have that little scorecard to James. You got to you got to call them around like a couple of dogs. I mean, because they're <laughs> they're screwing us. They don't want to see us win. It's 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 sad. It's sad. You have to let these basketball players play. It's sad. I agree. I mean, keep come on. Tell us what you really feel. Hold on, one second. No, I mean, I, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. No, I heard a little birdie told me that you've been tracking the fouls for every game. Yes, I've been tracking the fouls and I've been I've been keeping stats on, on these on these refs and I've been writing down some complaints and I'm about to send this email that I have logged up to NCAA and I hope to get some people fired. I think well, you will. I, you know what? I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say I don't want to see you get fired. You know, because I'm a working man. You don't want to talk about another man's job. Oh my God, something's got to change. Yeah, I agree with you. It's an eighty-five every single night. The cats go out to play and we're trying to turn the season around. But I mean, you can't when these refs are calling set fouls. That are softer than baby shit. It's Preach. Yeah. I agree. They wanted it's Tennessee sad. to win that game. They did. You could tell. They wanted, SEC, they wanted an SEC team to be a number one seed. Yes, they want Alabama and Tennessee both to be number one seeds, and they called uh-huh. the game accordingly. It is so obvious. And I, I tell you, I tell you what. Johnny C, he got fired up over there, and, and if I see him, I, I might punch him between the eyes because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not able to hold my temper like he is. Uh, I mean, it is sad that these zebras are running this show like a damn zoo. Noah, what's your thoughts on the Cal technical against Georgia? Uh, you know, I, I love to see Cal get fired up, and uh-huh. I think it was it was a BS call. Because hold my French here, it was a BS call, and they're just trying everything they can, like you all said. 
to get these other two teams to the top, and they want to see the Cats' downfall. I don't know who's paying them. I don't know if it's part of the NCAA script. I don't know if it's part of – I don't know what it's part of. But there's some conspiracy going on with these refs and the way that they've been calling these games. We were at, obvious. We, we were it at the so game. Obvious. We were at the game, and Mike White was just as much out on the court, just as much yelling yeah. at the officials, he just as much up. riding them. He should have got Mike teed up. Mike White called a timeout just to bitch in his ear. Yeah. And they said nothing about it. Uh-huh. Yep. Not one thing. Know. But Cal steps one foot out of the coach's box, and when they called it, he was actually back in the yeah. coach's yeah. box. Yeah, I mean – it, it's obvious. It, it's completely obvious what they're trying to do. And I, like I told you, I, I'm writing up some emails, sending it to the, in some NCAA people. I mean, you, you, you can't. You just can't do that. It's it's blatant. It's it's terrible. So do you think these wins should, like, count as more? Do you think, like, it's more impressive <laughs> well, that we're beating eight AP people? Five, I think they should count for a little bit more. When you're going out there and you're playing three other – these zoo animal zebras run around. Yeah, it should count for a little bit more. Maybe a game and a half. Hell, maybe a game. Maybe a game in three quarters. So if we had if we had proper officials, do you think we win these games by like more than what we already we, did? We would have beat Georgia by at least thirty three, and we would have beat Tennessee by at least sixteen. I already, I already, I already marked it up. I marked up the points on the missed calls and on the, all the bad calls, picky cat calls. I already marked up on points. We would have beat. Both of those teams by more. I, I mean, it, it's 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 sad. So your calculations tell you that we've been we'd win these games by sixteen and thirty three based on your like yes officiating. based on based on my based on my officiating ratings and these calls that that prevent plays. So a couple of uh, Oscar Sheba layups would have definitely fell. Yeah. A couple of a uh, couple of Casey Wallace, like you know, just, well, just Noah, the whole nine yards. No, I agree with you. But what do you have to say to the people that like? You know, this Tennessee game, it's a physical game. What do you want them to do? I mean, I mean, I want some consistency. It's a physical game, but it's a physical game to an extent. I mean, we're not playing we're not playing street ball out here. Uh-huh. This is a, this is this is a college basketball game. It's a little bit different than that. You got to have a little bit of consistency. I like it. No, you got anything else for us today? Um no, nah, I don't got anything else, but I, go Cats. That's all I got to say. All right, thanks, thanks Big Poppy. Thank you, Noah. Yeah. All right, we're going to end our call segment right there, but when we return, we'll be with EJ Floreal. Um, we have a great interview lined up. We ask a bunch of questions behind the scenes about Calipari, what the tweak was back in the day, what similarities he sees with this upcoming team. Stick with us. When we come back, we'll have that interview ready to go. All right, we're glad to be joined by E.J. Floreal, former Kentucky basketball player. E.J., how are you today? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for thanks for doing this with us. Uh, so we'll start off with this. What's it like uh, being part of part of Kentucky basketball? Um, I definitely think it depends, like what your interests are, where you're from. But but if you're a basketball fan, basketball player, um, just a fan of greatness is a dream come true. And what's what's Cal like behind the scenes? We see him out on the you know out screaming all all the time. But what's he like behind the scenes during practice? Things like that. Uh, very intense, very focused, um, but but also knows when to have fun, when to uh, you know when when to when to not take things so seriously. You know, you take shit seriously all the time. Then uh, um, it, it becomes hard to have to have fun and enjoy the little things and just enjoy the process. Yeah, so you were on the Randall team that went to the national championship, the thirty-eight and one team that went to the Final Four. What was yeah. Cal like in a Final Four national championship setting? Um, 
I would say, excuse me, definitely relieved, number one. I mean, like, you know, getting to the Final Four, as you see, because we haven't been there since those two years, is uh, is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more relieved. Um, but but he's still focused on the goal, which is to bring home a, a national title. Um, but I'll definitely say, like, you know, once once we got to those Final Fours, I mean, he was, you know, he, he, his, he, uh, he relaxed his shoulders for sure. A lot of people are comparing this team to that that Randall team that you were a part of that kind of had yeah. a rough start, especially coming off the Tennessee game yesterday that we that we yeah. won. What what flipped the script that year? Cal calls it a tweak. What was that tweak, or or what was the moment that kind of changed and turned that season around? Well, so let me say this first because uh, I had a friend that sent me an uh, interview. So Cal took their phones. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he did that with us that year too. Actually, on, on a lot of road games, he took our phones for the night. Uh, we hated it at the time, but it actually worked because we were on social media all the time. Uh, social media was a lot newer back then, too, and we just saw everything. Everyone was talking about us. Everyone was down us out. Everybody was really, like, coming after us. So when uh, when he took the phones, uh, we hung out a lot more. Uh, we were talking to each other more. We were around each other more. So we definitely uh, got to bond with our chemistry. And then uh, that year... Um, I hope he said something, man, because I don't want to give away none of his trade secrets. But that year, the, the tweak was was really just Andrew. And uh, instead of Andrew um, just looking to score first all the time, we, we asked him to create. And when he did, you know, Julius was going off, James was going off, Aaron was hitting ginormous shots. I mean, he really ran off. As... Yeah, that's uh, – he's obviously a great coach. He knows what to do. So um... – like, do do players, like, feel the effects of social media when everyone, they just log on to Twitter or Instagram and everyone's dogging them, saying how terrible they are, they don't deserve to be here? As a player, do you guys read into that much, or you kind of just, like, try to not listen? I mean, hopefully you get a chance to ask those guys and ask those players, because I can't speak for them. Uh-huh. Uh, I know for me personally, and I, I wasn't even a, a major player on, on any of those teams, uh, I saw... Um, I stopped looking at it that 38 no year because a lot of it was poison. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. gassing you up uh, when you really haven't done nothing yet. Um, but that first year, my 18 years old, yeah, I would look myself up all the time. <laughs> I was seeing what people were saying. People saying I didn't deserve to be there. Uh, people saying I really wasn't that good, whatever. And, and yeah, I took that shit, uh, that stuff personally for sure. Speaking of that, um, go ahead. No, that's that's really it. I mean, like you know, you just I, you you don't have to ask now. I mean, I know some people really do look all that stuff out, get wrapped into it, use that motivation, and other people let it debilitate debilitate them, and it, and it kind of stops them and hinders them from being who they're supposed to be. Speaking of that, you know, undefeated team that you talked about, what was it like being part of that team in practice, going into games knowing that you were forty points better than other teams? How did you stay motivated, and what was it like being part of that team? Uh, I don't even think we had that mentality until we finished the regular season like 31-0 that we really were like a really, really good team. We just wanted to go in there and we really had the mentality of let's ruin people's weekends. Um, let's go into their, you know, go into their hometown. Uh, let's beat their brains in. Let's go home and let's go celebrate. Uh, we, we treated every game like it was a championship, to be honest. Uh, we enjoyed every win. We had fun. I mean, that was the year I, I think I started dancing because they made me dance. <laughs> After we beat uh, – I danced and we beat Kansas by like 40. And ever <laughs> since then, they've made me do it every game. Um, but that was a fun team. I mean, we got we got two weeks in the Bahamas to really mm-hmm. get to know each other, uh, to play uh, play ball with each other. And, and, and we got to be kids, man. I mean, you know at Kentucky it's hard to be a kid when you're a celebrity. Yeah, so speaking of that – well, the year before on the Julius Randle team when you guys went to the championship, um, 
obviously that team turned it around and took a, yeah. a difficult regular season all the way to national championship. Do you yeah. think the team this year has the potential to turn it around, or have they turned it around after that Tennessee win? Um, I mean, I think every team that, that Cal's had has the potential to mm-hmm. do it. I mean, Cal wouldn't bring kids together that he didn't think were good players, great players, great kids. Um, but I definitely think that things have to change. I mean, I've been complaining all season about our free throw percentage. I think yesterday we shot. Yeah, they only like missed two yesterday. Uh-huh. 90% or something. And and we won by, by what, five or six? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the difference between a lot of these games we've lost. And we're shooting 50% from the line, 66% from the line, leaving nine points on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the difference between winning by three and losing by, by eight, and then it balloons up to 20. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, a lot of these guys, they have to find their niche. I mean, you put four or five kids together that are used to having the ball in their hands and taking 25 shots. It's different when, you know, you don't play some games. Mm-hmm. And then you get in and you have to figure out what, what's your role because uh, your role might not be to score. Again, we appreciate you coming in or coming on for today, but we'll get you out of, out of here on this. What is your favorite memory or story while you're at UK? Um, oh, <laughs> all right, can I give like two? Go ahead. Yeah. You've got all the time in the world. Go ahead. Okay, I, I definitely say my first is easily uh, the blue white game that I dunked on Julius because I know everyone remembers the dunk. But yeah, he played really really well that game. Uh, play really good defense. I think I might have scored like five or seven. There you which, go. Right. Um, or coming into the walk-on and earning your, you know, earn a, a full ride, you know, seven points is a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, that, a lot of NBA players on that team too, so. Right, right. Um, and I actually uh, I had earned a chance to, to be in the rotation, but I was 18. I, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> um, and I'd probably say my, my, my second, it's a close toss-up between um, – probably the Bahamas because that was just like I mean you know I went from being like a local star to you know most most everyone in the state knew who I was and uh, it was just tough to you know do anything really and when we went to the Bahamas you know nobody knew me I was just hanging with my guys you know unless they were in UK I could just be myself and even when the UK people saw me they were just like hey you know, are you okay? You know, how are you adjusting? Blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't really like, a, you know, hey, Floriel, like, you know, what, what, what do you think of this? It was just like, hey, like, you know, are you good? You know, do you, do you need do you need someone to go with you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'd probably say those two were my favorite. As Kentucky fans, we've heard a lot about that Bahamas trip. Is there anything you want to, you know, any stories you want to get off your chest <laughs> about that trip? Or those kind of are those kind of held tight? Um. I mean, I'm holding everything everything tight until until someone speaks first, I guess. <laughs> it was it was fun to to hang out with them for for nine days. I mean, it was really just us, um, and, um, and that was fun. You know, and we got to uh, see another culture. We got to travel the world uh, probably before a lot of us should at that moment. And um, I mean, we won we won six games. We showed who we was. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, that that Bahamas trip was a good bonding moment for. A bunch of 18, 19-year-old kids. Well, EJ, we appreciate you doing this, and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, EJ. Thanks for having me, guys. See ya.